Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. That kind of made them think, what is going on here? Because that's not the typical human reaction that you would expect when something this awful has just happened to your three children and to yourself. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. May 19, 1983, a woman named Diane Downs shows up at a hospital in Oregon, and it's clear something awful has happened. I'm joined by KGW reporter Pat Doris. Pat, I know you've covered a lot of crime in your career, but even still, I have to imagine this is one of those cases that that stands out, right? Absolutely. And when you look into it, the more you learn about it, the stranger, more bizarre, and more awful it is. So let's go back to that day in May of 1983. How did that day develop as far as anyone would have known at the time? Well, it started when Diane Downs showed up at the hospital with three kids at McKenzie Willamette Medical Center. Uh, So that's just east of Eugene, about two hours south of Portland. But she came into the hospital uh, in a you know, a crazy situation. Three of her children had been shot and she'd been shot in the arm herself. And it just sort of out of the blue seemed to be this incredible tragedy. And what is it exactly that she is saying happened to them? She said that she and her kids were out on kind of a deserted uh, road out in the country and that she came around the corner uh, driving and that there was a man there. And so she stopped to see if she could help. And she described him as a shaggy-haired stranger, and she said that he uh, eventually shot her and then shot the kids. So he jumped into the car, leaned into the car, and started firing the weapon, and it happened so quickly that by the time he stood up and faced me, it was over. I mean, it was just that fast. And that somehow she was able to push him down jump back in the car, and race uh, towards the hospital for help. And this is where things start to get a little more strange, as if they weren't already strange. As I understand it, hospital workers and investigators, when they show up, they start to grow a little suspicious of her story. Why is it that they, that they do start to grow suspicious of what she's telling them? Well, you would expect a parent to be totally freaked out that something like this had happened just all over the board emotionally. And what some of the investigators later said was it was suspicious that she was very flat. She was not freaked out. Uh, She was very deliberative, they said. And that kind of made them think, what is going on here? Because that's not the typical human reaction that you would expect when something this awful has just happened to your three children and to yourself. Right. Tell me a little bit more about the injuries here. I know tragically... The seven-year-old child died, but the other two children survived, right? Correct, yes. Cheryl was seven years old. She was shot uh, and killed. 
She was dead by the time she got to the hospital. Danny was three. He was paralyzed from the waist down. And Christy, um, who was nine, uh, had uh, several strokes as a result of her um, injuries. And, um, you know, that was a lifelong impact as well. So, yeah, just awful impact on the children. What else can you tell me about the Downs family, this this family that shows up at this hospital? Do we know much about their lives before this day in May of 1983? Well, Diane Downs, uh, to begin with, had been born in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, she grew up there. She, um, in high school, met her future husband, Steve Downs. That's how she has the last name, Diane Downs. Um, she said that she was sexually abused by her dad when she was 12 years old. She eventually went on to Pacific Coast Bible College in Orange, California, where she was expelled for promiscuous behavior. But they were living in, when all of this happened, they were living in a little town um, about two hours, a little more than two hours south of Portland. And you would think that things had, you know, kind of a normal family. She was a postal worker, postal delivery carrier. She'd been divorced from Steve Downs. It turned out later that uh, she um, had recently moved there from Arizona. And when she was in Arizona working at the post office, started an affair with another married man there. Uh, and that was another one of the suspicious things at the hospital. Investigators found that she called that married man uh, while she was at the hospital, you know, with her kids fighting for their lives. And they, they thought that that was a little bit odd as well. Hmm. So as police then continue to investigate this crime, they start to look at Diane Downs as a suspect. They start to think that she shot her children and shot herself in the arm. What is the story that they start to put together? What's the possible motive here for doing something like that? Well, they think that it was connected to the married man that she had been uh, having the affair with when she was in Arizona. She, They believe that she believed that he would accept her if she didn't have kids. And that because of that, uh, their theory was she decided to eliminate her kids and that they believed that she shot herself in the arm to make it look like it had been a shaggy-haired stranger when, in fact, it was her the entire time. One of the other reasons that they kind of started to focus on her was the forensics didn't really add up. There was no blood splatter on the driver's side of the car, and if she had been shot outside the car, that's where you would expect that to be. There was no gunpowder residue on the inside of the driver's side door, which if somebody had stuck their gun inside the car, you would expect that as well. So those are the kinds of things that they start to look for. And when they contacted that married man, as the investigation went on, he told them that he was a little bit worried about her and uh, worried at one point that she might even eliminate his wife if it meant they could be together. He also told investigators that she had a uh, that he had seen that she had a 22 caliber pistol in her car, and she kind of forgot to tell investigators that. Mm. And so it, it sounds like more and more evidence is starting to point to her having potentially done this. Where does the investigation go from there? Is Diane eventually charged? Yes, charged uh, with the murder of uh, one of the child and with shooting the other two. Yes. Tell me a little bit about the trial then. I know that this was big news in the Portland area. 
What's the case that the prosecution is laying out against Diane Downs? Well, it was a spectacular trial. I mean, even newspaper accounts, if you go back and look at them, talk about people standing outside in, in you know, a line around the courthouse for hours to get inside. Um, and it became this story of this narcissistic woman who was willing to do whatever it would take to get what she wanted. And prosecutors basically laid that argument out that she was the one who did this awful crime, that there was no such thing as a shaggy-haired stranger, that it was all just something that she made up to try and throw police off the trail, and that ultimately it was her and her alone that committed these awful crimes. And in the end, the jury believed them? Absolutely. Guilty. She's serving a life term for shooting her three children back in 1983. Prosecutors say she wanted them out of the way because they were interfering with an affair she was having. And we mentioned that there were two surviving children uh, that, that were injured in this horrible crime. What ends up happening with them after the trial? Well, it's an amazing twist, or maybe not for the people that were inside and watching all this happen. But the prosecutor became so intimately involved with all the details and all the facts in the case that he and his wife really ended up having very strong feelings for these two surviving children and ended up adopting them. And they grew up with him and his wife. The prosecutor adopted the two children who were the surviving victims. Wow. In more ways than one, then, uh, the the trial and, and the conviction was not the end of this story. I know there was some surprising news as well in 1988 when Diane Downs escaped from prison. Yep, uh, went over a big fence and was on the run for several days. And uh, it actually really terrified the prosecutor and his family because they were concerned that she would try and come to, to get the kids. But that did not happen. Eventually, she was tracked down, arrested, and then sent to a women's prison uh, far away from the Eugene area. And for all these different reasons, because there's so many twists and turns to it, and just because of the the shocking and, and horrific nature of the crime, as you mentioned at the beginning, this does seem like one of those cases that has really stuck with folks in Oregon and around the country. And part of that, I think, too, is just the strangeness of it, the thought of someone doing this to their own children and then cobbling together this this story, this ruse and lying about it. I know you've heard from experts over the years about this case during the course of your reporting. Can you speak at all to the psychology at play here? Well, they've described Diane Downs as a, a, a narcissistic person. So thinking only of herself and basically willing to do whatever it took to make herself happy or to get what she wanted in life. And so as awful as it is for most of us to consider such a thing, um, you know, there, there are arguments that, well, the children were just sort of impediments in the way of what she wanted for her future, and they just had to be gotten rid of. I mean, it's chilling and frightening, but probably on the far end of, of narcissism um, and someone with, you know, probably no conscience, um, it's what they believe was going on there. And, you know, when she was up for parole 10 years ago, one of the reasons that she did not get it was because she still feels no remorse. We have some breaking news today. We have just learned that child killer Diane Downs has been denied parole. News Channel 8's Pat Doris is live down in Salem. Pat, kind of surprising based on what we heard before, Downs actually did testify in her own defense. 
Yes, Russ. Initially, she said she would not take part, and then they had her come in front of the camera to say no, and she changed her mind. Over the next two hours, she rambled, professed her innocence again, and asked to be released to go live with her parents in Texas. Downs has always maintained her innocence and did not waver in her story today. Will not admit to what really happened, sticks to this argument of the shaggy-haired stranger, and uh, we should say that she changed her story several times after it first happened. She initially said that it was two men in stocking caps who did the shooting, and then um, then it was the shaggy-haired stranger, and so just kind of this shifting narrative. And so, yeah, very bizarre. You wonder what sort of person could do that, a, a very dangerous person. And that's why she's still in prison and probably will be for the rest of her life. Pat Doris with KGW in Portland. Thanks for helping us share the story. We appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Daily Crime. We have new episodes five days a week, Monday through Friday. That's why we're called The Daily Crime. If you don't want to miss any of those episodes, take a second to make sure you're subscribed to or following the show on whatever app you use. If you're looking for more podcasts, you can head over to vaultstudios.com or search for Vault Studios in your podcast app to check out some of our other shows. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>